Vinyl Show, people, where we take our time to explore the diversity and magic of the Australian recording industry. Oh, well, how was that? Episode 0.75. In further preparation, uh, we've I've come along in leaps and bounds since episode 0.5. Um, number one, that incredible intro and jingle. Uh, number two, I've got a plan, and here it is. It's the grid eight by eight. We, that that's how we're going to kick off the eight by eight grid. And here's here's the plan, right? Eight questions, topics, you know, items of interest, whatever, stories. Asked of eight people, people of interest, whether it be a a DJ, a record collector, a musician, a writer, a producer, uh, a grandpa or a child, whatever. Eight of these questions will be asked. So therein lies the hard yakka of getting that information. Now, what I want to do is have, an e- instead of an episode about the person, I want to do an episode about the topic. Okay, so uh, season one is has been set, I've decided, and season one is going to be a series of different topics. Without giving too much away, let's let's hypothesize and say perhaps topic one is about the weather, right? So if topic one is about the weather, then I will take the information or the recordings I've done with the various people and my own editorial and co-host and I will take each segment from those interviews and patch them together into a show about that topic, right? So if every time I begin an interview with someone, I say, um, well, hello, Mr. Jagger, um, you know, how's this weather? And he goes, oh, yeah, well, it's pretty good, but it was crap last week because I was in Wales, Right. So therefore, I would have to attempt to do a show that just simply was um, Mick Jagger's discussion of the weather, followed by Cliff Richard's discussion of the weather, followed by um, Bill Gates's discussion of the weather. And then obviously, I would have to fill about 45 minutes of my own opinion of the weather. Right, okay, we should, we got stuck totally jammed in a shit metaphor. But, uh, you know, who cares? You get the idea. So that's the plan. That's what's happening. Um, I was just dying to to, to use my new, um, I guess you'd call it some kind of template in, in my recording software so that I could uh, sort of get use the, in, instead of putting the intro in afterwards, I would, the intro would actually play uh, and then I'd just kick in and all vibed up from the rock and roll, right? And so that's what I've done and that's why I'm so pumped and I'm not putting the quiet, sexy voice on that uh, 
upsets my wife so much. You know, it's like getting right close like this. So anyway, that's that. So um, what else is there to talk about? Right, I'm going to actually talk about something. And this is freaking huge. I had a Saturday, on Saturday morning, I looked in my calendar, or the calendar yelled at me on the phone and said, Talek. Okay, so I already knew it referred to George Talek, the New Guinean um, singer, legendary singer, as uh, exposed to us, I suppose you'd put it, on the Not Drowning Waving album, Tabaran. A bit of a breakthrough album. It was massive. I have it here. And maybe we'll pop something on from it shortly. Anyway, George Talek, most amazing talent. And uh, David Bridie from Not Draining Waving obviously got to know him. I don't know the backstory, but you know, in the future, I would actually be asking him that, one would imagine. So George Talek uh, has basically been a legend of the, we'll call it the vicinity, Oceania, whatever, um, and for, for, for decades now, um, he developed a... Um, some kind of mouth cancer and required uh, operation and re, you know um, some follow-up operations and medicine now he's not an Australian citizen so therefore it costs right this stuff costs and they uh, one would imagine David Bridie was behind it but um, there was basically a big fundraising going on which hopefully not culminated but anyway the the pinnacle of it would have been uh saturday night's gig in st kilda so uh amazing fact number one number one uh, the venue right so we'll get to that back to the story the calendar said telecom i was like oh um okay i'm going out now i contacted my friend stephanie who, you know, has married with children and uh, not quite as old as me, but getting there, uh, who I used to go, we shared a love for Not Drowning Waving, we shared a love for, for, for George Tellick, and we used to go to the gigs and, you know, hippies, I suppose, and and just love it and just go bliss out on the, the amazing music and the culture that we were, we were being exposed to. We loved it. And we bonded over over that. Um, trouble is, Steph wasn't feeling very well, which is what happens. I tell you what, if someone rang me at, you know, 4 p.m. on a Saturday and I'd taken the kids to sport and all that sort of carry on, I reckon I'd be very disinclined to go cross town to St Kilda. Anyway, Steph missed out. Um, I was... You know, you get a bit self-conscious, I suppose, going, oh, I'm going to go to am I going to a gig on my own? I'm going to a gig on my own. Because the doors opened at six. Um, so, I, you know what? I'm going to do this. All achy and, you know, tired and miserable. Like, stuff this. I'm going. Got up to, from Preston, got up to the train station. Took the train realised I hadn't been on a train for a long, long time. Took the train to uh, 
Spencer Street, Southern Cross at Spencer Street and changed to a tram. And on the tram was when I thought, what? When was the last time I went to a gig in St Kilda? And to be honest, I didn't, at the time, I didn't come up with a band of horses at the Palais, but I st- still struggle to remember the last time. I went to St Kilda for a local band and I'm seriously thinking. For a while I thought, my God, it's it's not drowning waving. It You know, probably the last time. I probably was a little bit being slightly influenced by how amazing that story would have been. But, you know, the more I think about it, the more I know that I went to see Black Cab. Right, it's just come to me then. Black Cab at the uh, ESPY, I guess. Anyway, yonks is the word, and rarely. So here I am, get off the, get off the tram in the middle of Ackland Street. Look, look up the the thing, the address, and it sort of links to. You've got to pay attention to these things because it linked to, just Ackland Street. So it randomly just says go there. I was like, oh, fuck, I've never even heard of this Momo Music Lounge. So it says it's on the Ackland Street, sort of not the main bit, but you cross over and go up. There's a couple of cafes and whatnot and then houses and what and flats and stuff. So like, oh, I better get there. I don't want to be late. So I've high, you know, instead of having some food, I walked a kilometre up Ackland Street, well, I felt like it, and got up there and went I might just check the map rather than keep stomping along then the map said no go back down there and then that's when I realised that it was just a a random point on Ackland Street that the map was choosing each time went back down still what is going on and of course it's in the back of the RSL I thought all right okay it's a fundraiser they've gone can we use your hall to do this thing I thought this is going to be a squeeze and my my first mind mind blow of the day, I suppose, was going in there and finding this ballroom thing. I mean, I, these things, it happens all the time, doesn't it? When the uh, Thornbury Theatre, when we went in there, went, oh my God, what's going on in here? And you know, and Fanny's uh, up at um, in Northcote, all these places. Anyway, there there I am in another one. Uh, some posters there in the foyer for a silent auction fundraiser. So I, I wrote fifty bucks down on a poster. I knew I wouldn't have a wouldn't have a hope in hell. You know there might have been just because there might have been quite a bit of money in that audience, i.e. music industry people and you know there's a few people that looked like they had some decent dosh. It was like yeah, what can you do? You just go oh good then. You know, it's a fundraiser, so you've got to try and be a little bit more, less selfish, I suppose, and just go, all right, it's good. I'm glad they're so rich they're going to outbid me. But in the end, I reckon there'd be some pretty cool man caves in the the music world of, you know, upper middle class people or people that are doing all right now. So good on them for having those posters. Um you know, with hindsight, the green one, 
would have messed up with my green screen in the studio anyway. So, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, the punchline at the end of the whole, while we're on to it, the whole um, silent auction thing was that I I did find that when they mentioned it, the, the MC, or David Bridie mentioned that there was a silent auction, he mentioned singles, record singles and CDs and stuff. So the, the Mushroom kindly donated a bunch of uh, copies of the CD of Tabaran, which was the, the breakthrough for Talek, as I said before. And and he did mention vinyl. I went out there and had a look, and sure enough, there was the single of Willow Tree Yard, which is, you know, probably a one of those songs. We all have them, but for, for me, not only is it such a brilliant song, probably the best Australian song ever, or you know, but it, it, but but personally as well, um, swinging on a willow tree sounds pretty simple, but you know, I there was one in my front yard, and it was from that perspective that even back then we're talking about how I felt about it back then. It really hit, kind of hit the spot on a, on another level because because I did have a childhood swinging on a big willow tree and. Uh, it just you know, and I I don't mind local mention, you know that that sort of colloquial reference to life in the suburbs, I guess. Um, um, so there was that, and then there was the the memories of of being at the, all the gigs and stuff, and just everyone just blissing out to that awesome song. And of course, I run the Aussie Vinyl Show. And it's my job, my responsibility to have some of these things on vinyl. I've got the album that it came on, Claim. I've got that on the vinyl, but, you know, couldn't resist. And I thought, well, here, this could be my way of dropping some coin on top of the ticket price into the, the Telic fund. Um, and so that was it. I dropped 40 bucks on the silent auction and, you know, with no knowledge of whether... This is a single that you can't get or can get. It was kind of irrelevant because it's not. It's not a discogs. Is that a rare record affair? It's like this is the only record that was, you know, sold in two thousand eighteen at a not drowning waving gig, you know. So it's it is freaking rare as far as I'm concerned. Um, and special. I I did send a cheeky email to David Bridie, well, mostly getting a rundown of the all the names and spellings and country of origin of all the acts that played later on, but also with a, a wouldn't mind you knowing if there's any history of that single, like whose house was it in, or was it in the shed, or was it in the record company, or whatever. Anyway, doesn't really matter. Got it. Right, I went out after they played the song and was, you know, filled with emotion and joy. I went out to the the foyer and had a look, and someone had, had how it bit. And I don't know if it's corrupt or not. We'll have to have a research assignment on the ethics of silent auctions. But I dropped an arrow on there and put it on, put it to sixty. So I got myself a. Sixty dollar single 
from uh, 1989, 88, 89, something like that. Anyway, so super chuffed that uh, I'd had I'd had enough beers to crank up the donations for George's medical funds, but uh, not exactly a big um, philanthropist, that's for sure. But um, that's the story of how I got the record. Now, uh, the next thing, go in, bloody, I've told you before, bloody great hall, all tables and all that. Now, I'm a general entry. I, I actually didn't even have a ticket because it was the doors were open so early. The online <clears throat> ticket purchase thing shuts down two hours before the gig, whereas normally you'd be all right up until five or six o'clock. Well, I wasn't, was I? So, uh, But I rang the venue and they said, you'll be all right. And I went along and obviously it was a classic kind of fundraiser like you see in the movies, tables, you know, like dinner dance kind of setting. Uh, but anyway, paid the dough, went in, had a few beers. Um, and, and, and then it all kicked off. Wow. Now, I would have to put all the details of the acts once again in the show notes once I find out all the proper names and stuff like that. But my God, what a smorgasbord of... Um, oh, God, I had this discussion this morning... Melanesian uh, Melanesian music I guess there was an act from uh, Timor-Leste uh, there was um, West Papua Papua New Guinea um, most amazing this is where the problems lie with doing this kind of thing just off the top of my head I have a very very poor memory but what of oh, I could go on and on about my favorite points of the night but we'll one at a time we'll go through this the Aboriginal singer who lives on Phillip Island and my wife said that um, she recently saw him play at a function in Northcote or Thornbury uh, for the Darabin Council and he was amazing, very, very funny, great, kind of great with the crowd and great singer. And what just made that just go to the next level is he did Ilale, the Joe Gaia song, which is one of my all-time favourites. And, uh, you know, I had, took a little video, but unfortunately it's just me just belting it out from the back of the hall over the top. In the in the audio, so that kind of stuffed it a bit, but it felt good to get the chance to just knock that out in a be able to sing Ilale uh, in a in a hall with a whole bunch of other you know music lovers. What a what a treat that was! A treat among many. Going to have a pause now for the toilet. Well, after that technical break, I thought I'd talk technical for two seconds and butt in. I'm thinking about a new... I know this is episode 0.75, so I can say what I like, but I am considering a new um, approach to dealing with uh, you know, me my memory problems and memory loss to avoid flow. And when I can't remember stuff, I'll just go... 
or whatever and just wait and then uh, afterwards I'll make I'll, I'll have to do some researched voiceovers maybe with a different tone or something or a little ringing of a bell <laughs> and then we can get the flow going and maybe I can make notes as I go saying oh, all right you know memory note one or what whatever whatever people have probably been doing it for decades in books and whatnot or hundreds of years anyway so back to the point um what else was a highlight well i was standing there having a beer and and i was talking to somebody funny story i was talking to somebody at the bar about how at these type of things when everyone's a bit older you don't necessarily always recognize well you know famous people or you know your f- former pe- former heroes or whatever, you can easily kind of miss them, and uh, I'm sure that was going on quite a lot that night. Uh, but uh, you know, 60 seconds after I had that conversation, he popped he's popped up on the stage <laughs> and read a poem. So uh, I'm guessing uh, uh, oh, here's a chance for one of my footnotes. Boop. But but before I put it in, I'm guessing it was a triple R. But by his voice, which I recognised, uh, a triple R announcer. Anyway, so that was funny. And, you know, kind of off the hook, because why would you recognise the face of a radio announcer? Right, so um, that was pretty funny. I think it was because I highlight number two was... Rob Craw from Huxton Creepers was was up there singing and playing guitar for the introduced introduced uh, what do you call it the introductory supergroup I guess uh, at the start of the night which was great uh, considering a couple of days ago I posted up in my uh, as Huxton Creepers album as part of my uh, Instagram A to Z thing that I was doing A to Z of vinyl so um, that was that was kind of coincidental I suppose or and, and a treat uh, that's for sure after hearing him on the Huxton Creepers record just recently and but how's this Ollie Olsen uh all of a sudden, everything's quite cultural. You know, there's pan flutes and beautiful voices and harmonies and group singing and and, and, and lots of ukuleles and things like that. And so all the music's brilliant. And then having a chat and then suddenly the everything kind of completely wacky and uh, like, you know, synth noises and kooky psychedelia. And I was like, whoa, this is brilliant. What is going on here? And I said to, uh, uh, you know, my, my mate from the radio, I said, Who, who's, uh, what, what's going on here? Because I was in the very back corner, just leaning on the bar. And he said, it's, it's Ollie Olsen. And it was um, a group called Taipan Tiger Girls. And it was, um, I didn't get close enough to see much, but uh, yeah, what, what, what are the chances of just getting to see Ollie Olsen do some kooky stuff? I 
really slim. You've got to be in it to win it, don't you? Um, I was over the moon. By that stage of the night, I was just going, right, this is just tops. I'm winning this game. And so it was all, I, I, I didn't see, and I will research it, who um, the rest of the Taipan Tiger girls and find out their background and get back to you. Or just know it for my own sake. Uh, but wow, how good to see Ollie Olsen twiddling the knobs and making crazy sounds. Sound art, I should say. But it's out, it was good. It was the stuff I freaking love. I made a joke. I was talking to a, before that, I was talking to a woman to the left of me about footy. And, um, and she goes, Oh, what's this? I said, Oh, I think it's shower scene from Psycho. And, uh, and I, I was joking because I knew it wasn't because of the stature of Simon from shower scene from Psycho. And you could tell that it wasn't him. But, you know, it could have been from just listening. Um, that was that. That was another massive highlight. And they just kept on coming. Underground lovers. The, the, the undies played. You know, we go we go to a lot of effort uh, to make sure we catch the undies on every tour at least once, and me and my pals. And so just any one of these acts would have been, anyone would have been worth the trip to St Kilda to see, let alone all piled in together. Um, they played, only played a few tracks, of course, but it was it was awesome, you know. Good sound system, good setup, so well, so well mixed. You know, I even heard some fancy people in the foyer kind of commenting on how, you know, fantastically it was mixed at the level of, you know, major events. So that's great. I would imagine that's um, the doing of all the the insistence of David Brady. You don't you don't come back and do a major event for the whole industry, you know, a elite to come to, not counting me, um, and don't do the best job you can. So good on them. It was grouse. Next highlight. God, I actually wrote them down because I had the job of doing... Where is it? Where's my little book? Because I had the job of doing... A quick Instagram post, you know, when you've got one minute to say all of this. I mean, I'm at the 27 minute mark and I'm only halfway um, when I'm free to ramble. Um, and I, wrote, I had to scribble down all the highlights and just try and smash through them. I've talked about the single. Uh, at the end, let's go, let's go forward to the the end of the gig and uh, not 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 drowning waving have played. It's all very emotional for me, you know, having having seen them again and them sounding, you know, perfect. Um, and then, of course, just when you thought it was over, up you pop and uh, they they bring George Tallick down uh, onto the stage. And it was so nice to see him. You know, obviously... A brave thing if if he's had some if he's a vocalist by career, and, and he's had a 
you know, mouth cancer and an operation and all kinds of things like that. Um, very brave. And he sounded good. He he sang a couple of songs. And uh, I don't know if it was uncomfortable for him or whatever, but good on him. And it was great to see and uh, be able to see him up there, you know, pushing on and um, getting recovering, I guess. That was good. Next thing. There was a dude, and this is a one of my, you know, ring-a-ling-a-ling, do some research voiceover moments, but he was, oh, that spectacular voice. I caught a little bit of it, but once again, I was, I was up near the bar, so we had this, oh, no, angelic voice, this dude in traditional dress, a little guy, and it was angelic. It was just magnificent, probably... You know, the equivalent of those, um, you know, fancy singers they had in Italy in the day. Just sounded brilliant. Um, I'll find the information out for you. But my my little snippet of video didn't really work out because it just, you can hear him, but you but it sort of feels, not probably feels a bit upsetting because you can just hear people ordering drinks and sort of, uh, while this amazing thing's going on, it feels disrespectful. But in the context, you know, it was the back corner of the venue where people were lining up to get a drink, you know, when he started. And they, everything can't stop because of that. And it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have affected anyone else in the room. I just happened to be on the other side of that when trying to video it. So that was good. He was brilliant and uh, another great thing that I can, you know, say that I've seen or know that I've seen, another life experience, another thing in the Things We Don't Normally Do Club, ticked off, most chuffed, value, we're talking value here, aren't we? Sounds like I'm just uh, ticking off all the great value I had on the night, but I'm ticking off the general awesomeness of the whole affair anyway so that was that got out of there and it must have must have gone on a bit ran into a few people I knew here and there um, got out of there went to the tram stop without thinking probably just uh, probably when I was on the tram stop I realised it was very cold and very foggy and I looked at my phone and it was after midnight and I then I went, hang on, I've had six beers and I'm on my own. I'm going to get an Uber. That's fair, isn't it? God, I don't have to be over 50. I'm allowed to get an Uber, God's sake. Anyway, part of my thinking, though, was rather than my for, for my safety or convenience or laziness was I want to be able to make it. To, back to Collingwood to get, <laughs> to get a nightcap at Paradise Alley, but um, you know, I, I, so I got in the Uber and then I kind of 
felt all warm and comfortable and I kind of changed it and got went all the way to Preston and um, that was it. Ate some lasagna and watched some TV. <laughs> so that was my that was a sat not a normal Saturday night, but a like here's the plan: a normal Saturday night should consist of having a not normal Saturday night. Let's put let's put things we don't normally do in the norm. That a paradox. That's the plan. All right. So that was last Saturday night, and I reckon that's enough for now. Um, but what I'll do, and this is something I'm, I'm actually putting the record on and seeing if I can actually just do that. Oh no, it doesn't look like I can. Like it won't let me. Hang on. Well, here we're back, and what I've done. Oh yeah, I can do that. This is putting the record player. Uh, no, it's not. Record player. Well, let's stop. Hold that. So I'm back, and that that was interesting, um, because. Okay, this is Willow Tree Yard by Not Drowning Waving from 1988. Purchased at a Not Drowning Waving gig in 
That's what makes me tick. And uh, that's my new single from Not Drowning, maybe. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Vinyl Show podcast. Feedback is critical to us, especially given it provides us new show ideas and very interesting information we can use in future shows. Email us at aussievinylshow at gmail.com or any of the social media. Tag Aussie Vinyl Show. See you next time.